Bonjour, shalom, and a big hello to all of our lovebirds, and welcome to our Valentine's Day episode of our second season of Calling an Audible, a podcast focusing on national, regional, and local sports news stories with our own special twist. My name is Zach Greenberg, and along with Greg Johnson, we are your hosts. Today we'll be talking about the inaugural week of the Alliance of American Football, the NBA and NFL Free Agency, uh, and as well as some baseball news out of the Twin Cities. We'll have our Grind Our Gear segment, and we'll wrap it up with some UMC and wacky sports news. So to start off our show today, uh, the Alliance of American Football is a brand new league started by uh, Charlie Ebersol, the son of Dick Ebersol, who uh, owns CBS. And, uh, you know, they, they had attempted to, we talked a little little bit about this league last uh, on our last season of Calling an Audible, just kind of seeing where we think thought it would go and now that the league has finally started we can actually we actually have something to talk about for the league so uh still waiting on the xfl with vince mcmahon yeah well that's we got a year left until then and but that'll uh i don't know i don't know what time of year that's supposed to be and i'm assuming they're going to be competing with the alliance league because there's no reason to try and compete with the nfl because it won't work no no one competing president trump already tried that and uh, about 20 years ago and that didn't go so well for him so nope not as well as his is his current uh, his current situation but um <laughs> what did you uh think of week one of the alliance league it was different i mean the one of the few highlights i saw a quarterback got absolutely crushed and it was not flagged for roughing the passers that would have been in the nfl yeah def- it, it wouldn't have only been he would have been called for targeting and probably suspended and fined for yeah. that hit i feel like the aaf is more how you'd say violence prone yeah not necessarily like outright horrible. i think they're just trying to steer away from all the flags that are kind of turning a lot of football fans it's off like from the nfl yeah, they're trying to make football fun again i think is what their motto is they're bringing into an aspect that we don't get to see in the NFL where it's old-time football, hard hits, no flags. And I believe it's going to show because when that quarterback got absolutely demolished. I don't know if any of you guys at home saw that clip, but wow, did he take a shot. And the the clip he's referring to, you can uh, if you go on Twitter or Google or YouTube or anything and just type in Alliance Hit, and that, that'll be the uh, first thing that comes up and probably the first several things that comes up. And it was between uh, the San Diego Fleet and the San Antonio Commanders. It was a fleet player who, uh, you know, to put it nicely, destroyed the uh, commander's quarterback on that play. And his helmet came off. It was almost uh, too perfect of a hit. It happened, in the, it happened in the first game and in the first drive of the entire league. And you almost want to think that, you know, a play like that is almost too perfect too perfect for the Alliance League with, you know, with all the controversy that's been going on in the NFL with, uh, you know, maybe quarterbacks being protected a little bit too much, you know, even babied, you know, having, you know, it's almost, it's almost kind of too perfect that the very first big play of this new league was the quarterback getting absolutely destroyed and his helmet coming off and there not being a single flag. Yep, that's the tempo of the season's grown man football. Absolutely it is. Um, to talk a little bit more about the uh, the Alliance League, you know, for all of our, our Minnesota listeners, uh, to, to provide some relevance, the Salt Lake team uh, has Matt Asiata, who you might, which is a name that you, you might recognize. He uh, was a running back with the Vikings for five seasons, 
Um, he was a backup there. He rushed for just under 1,300 yards in his five in, over his five seasons. So this league uh, gives players like him, you know, players that maybe not, maybe didn't have, uh, you know, amazing NFL careers or they're, they're still trying to get back into the NFL. It gives an opportunity for them to, you know, stay in the game and create uh, film and, and highlights so that they can potentially try and pursue the NFL again. Yeah, Matt Asiata had four yards on four attempts with one touchdown. And another name I'd like to note is Brandon Oliver, the former, I believe, San Diego Chargers running back is also on that team. Mm-hmm. And he had 40 yards and eight attempts with no touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, and, and anything's a start for, like, you know, a lot of these guys have been out of football for a while. Like, I know on the Birmingham Iron, uh, Trent Richardson, who was a former third, third, third overall pick, um, you know, he had did his time with the Browns, did his time with the Colts. He wasn't very good for either of them. He went up to Canada, played for the uh, Saskatchewan Rough Riders for a season and also didn't perform very well. But in, in the first game for Birmingham, in a shutout, a 26 nothing shutout over Memphis, he had uh, two touchdowns, both over 10 yards. So, uh, you know, for him, this, that's definitely a, a big step in the right direction. You could I almost think. compare the AAF towards how basketball players, they go overseas and then get drafted instead of going the college route. Yeah. I believe that's going to be up and coming for young players that decide not to do the one year at college. They'll just go overseas, get a little bit better experience in some mm-hmm. regards because I don't know if you heard about Luka Doncic saying it's easier to score in the NBA than where he played before getting drafted. So it's almost like, for instance, Trent Richardson, he's, you were saying earlier before the podcast, he's going to get looked at by an NFL team sooner rather than later based on his performances. So I wonder how many other players in this league will get that opportunity. Yeah, and there's all, there's lots of other former former NFL players that Ooh. have been talked about to get opportunities or they're looking at, like Tim Tebow. Former Vikings punter Jeff Locke is also on the Arizona Hotshots. Yeah, and, and see, and that there, and the Arizona Hotshots kicker used to um, he used to play at Arizona State as well. So you know, the, uh, another thing with this league is there's a lot of uh, you know connections to like, geographical connections, like with Trent Richardson having played at Alabama, and now he's playing for Birmingham. You know, just just uh, geographical situations like that um and you know for me for my takeaways from week one you know i was pretty impressed with birmingham uh pitching a shutout against memphis i was pretty impressed with uh steve spurrier and the the orlando team beating uh the atlanta team 40 to 6. steve spurrier is the second uh he is the second most wins all time in the sec so this is his way back into coaching, you know, to developing kids, doing what he loves to do. Um, I think I saw somewhere that coaches are getting roughly 500000 to coach these teams. Yeah. So it's not a typical, it's not a low-paying job where they're just like, we need a coach, will you do it, and we don't have much money. It's actually well-funded. Right, and the, player, and the players are getting six figures as well it's wow. not nfl money but Money's they're getting a, they're getting a couple hundred thousand dollars a year comparable with the cfl but um you know it's it's interesting what's going to happen with this league is i i think it's going to do very well because it's not at the same time as the nfl and it's also not at the same time as the cfl and you have a lot of different you know you have the general football fan base but you know 
the, those people, you know, they, they sometimes switch over to basketball during the winter months because yep. there's not much coverage or to hockey. And, you know, this gives them the opportunity to, you know, stay with football throughout the offseason. And I think that will actually bode well for the NFL as well as it will kind of keep fans interested in football and also interested in, you know, NFL news even as their offseason progresses. Yep, absolutely. I agree with that. Do you uh, have a have a team that you've chosen to be your favorite yet? That's a tough decision. It really is. Yeah, I haven't I haven't decided who my favorite team is yet because, you know, I just want to watch them a little bit yeah, more exactly. to it's, try and decide. It's too new of a league and too new of teams for me to have any idea on how it's going to turn out. And I, the teams with the biggest names are the ones that disappointed the most. That's true. Yeah, Memphis with Mike Singletary as coach, Christian Hackenberg didn't as quarterback didn't put up a single point against uh, Birmingham. Mm-hmm. And you know, and and San Diego with Mike Martz as their coach, they didn't get a win either. I'd have to go with the team that, as dumb as it's going to be to say it, the team that scores the most points collectively the entire season so the best offense is that that's your project prediction to win the championship yep and it'd be the so far yeah the team it is it's going to be the orlando apollos I yeah think they, they put up a lot of offense this week 40. and i like the way they look but when i was watching the the arizona assault lake game i was pretty impressed with what their quarterback could do and he wasn't their projected starter going into the season but he ended up winning that job in camp. So I, I don't know if they're my favorite, but I, they looked pretty good, and I think that they might be a, a favorite to win the championship. But uh, going into next week, you have uh, Salt Lake playing at Birmingham. You have Arizona playing at Memphis, Orlando playing at San Antonio, and Atlanta playing at uh, San Diego. So I guess we'll find out, see how it goes, and maybe we can make more predictions ne- next week once we have better stats to go off of. And it's another week older. But to move on, we're, there's also some breaking news that potentially shapes the quarterback market in the NFL, and that is Joe Flacco being traded to Denver for a fourth-rounder that can't go through until the new fiscal season, which is March 1st. And there was word on the street that Broncos were linked repeatedly to checking on Nick Foles because they really wanted him after what he's done yet again for a second consecutive season when once goes down. And to be completely honest, I don't think Nick Foles would have done well in Denver. He seems to be a Philly guy, and yeah. for whatever reason, that team works well with him. Mm-hmm. It's it's like the situation where even if you sign a superstar caliber like LeBron James, he hasn't really done much with the Lakers. Yeah, like he did with the Cavaliers. There's it's, there, just, it's just a connection to the place. It's a connection to the place, and there's a key element missing that. Yeah, he, no matter he, he's wh- pretty entrenched in the Philadelphia community as well. Yep, there there's a spark. That is not there, and it's only prevalent when Foles is playing. It's a similar spark. I would even compare it to uh, Case Keenum when he went to Denver because he was just not the same player as as he was when he was in Minnesota. I would almost give all the credit to Pat Shermer on that one because what he did with that offense for the Minnesota Vikings and what the Vikings offense did this year and how Case Keenum did this year, and even look at Sam Bradford. He's started the year for a little bit before he went down, signed what a one year twenty million and got cut yeah. like three weeks into the season. So I think Patrick I think it's a lot to do with the coaching, a lot to do with the players' mentality and how the team 
shapes up around the player. Yeah, I, I think, and I think this is a good trade for um, for Denver because I think they're getting a quarterback in Joe Flacco who is still, you know, he's a Super Bowl champion. Yep, he and, won the MVP. And, and Super Bowl MVP. And I think he's still a good quarterback and can still produce in this league. And, uh, you know, Lamar Jackson took over for him in Baltimore. And, you know, that's just, you know, the, the way things work in, in football. It's a business. But I think yep. that, that Joe Flacco can still – I think he's worth more than a fourth-rounder, to be honest with you. But I'd say Denver did get a steal. I yeah, I think, I think they, that they did too. But we'll see if this actually goes through come March 1st. But, Bouncy you know, Whitewood, uh, other than Joe Flacco, the quarterback market is not very – strong in this free agency class you know you've ryan fitzpatrick who showed very very hot flashes and then very very cold flashes at the same time this season teddy bridgewater and i I know you vikings fans love teddy bridgewater even though he's teddy two gloves brutally injury prone yeah um but he has seemed to have been healthy so he, you well, know he's in his defense the first one was a stone cold hit that knocked him out for literally 10 seconds yeah and then when you tear your acl in a non-contact what do you kind of sucks yeah but and then there's nick Foles as well so he's well, going to be franchise tag and then expected to be traded yeah i'm curious to see what and, team's and gonna i think i think philadelphia just wants what's best for him at this point yeah. because you know he's done a lot for that franchise he won the super bowl for them they don't their want first ever super bowl they're stuck between a rock and a hard place with their number two drafted overall quarterback or who's injury prone who's also equally injury prone or nick Foles, who like it seems to be a every year thing where he just comes and saves the season but other other quarterbacks in the draft class this year: Tyrod Taylor, Ryan Fitzpatrick, and then honorable mentions in I the guess, free agency class. In the free agency class, yep. Yeah. Trevor Simeon, Brock Osweiler, and Josh McCown are those are just those are just backup. Those fillers. are going to be they're yeah, backups for different teams. Yeah, they're never going to play unless I'm unless they have to. Almost betting Simeon might resign with the Vikings, but with that cap space that the Vikings don't have, it's going to be it's. Free agency is not going to be too well for him. Kirk Cousins is a pretty durable quarterback, I would say. So Yeah, but there'll be uh, more on Kirk Cousins at the end of our show. Yeah. Well, um, just to uh, go off a little bit on what we talked about last week with the NBA free agency. Uh, and So we talked about how Anthony Davis didn't end up getting traded. Yep. And uh, in his first performance back, he... he handed oh, it to the Timberwolves, not going to lie. They did hand it to the Timberwolves, but he only had three points. This past game, he had three points. And yeah, in the past game, he only had three points and, like, five rebounds or something. So his first game back, he had, like, 32 points. Right. And then over the span of his last two games before, after that game, he had, like, eight and a half points. Yeah. So. And, and when I was watching one of his highlights, he just was just throwing up some, like, ridiculous shots, just kind of throwing them up to throwing them up. And, yeah. And, I, and see, I don't – if I was Anthony Davis, I would be going nuts. Like, I would be trying to get 40 points a game. but I can understand why he's not playing as well as he is because he doesn't want to be there. His no. teammates know he doesn't want to the be fans there. Fans don't even want to be there to watch them. No. <laughs> They're better off doing the trust the process Sixers, like I've said recently. Just tank, see if they can get top four pick, and hopefully that restart, right. resets their franchise. And they should have moved Anthony Davis at the trade deadline. I think they should have too, but they they also had. They uh, should have taken that 
draft op- or the trade option from the Lakers where they offered pretty much their entire team. I, I don't think they were ever really going to trade with the Lakers. I think that they were just toying with them. But they That is true, but that was the best but, uh, offer. That was the, the best offer, and uh, – you know, Honestly. it was definitely an author, an offer. You know, since they're losing Anthony Davis anyways, they might yeah. as well get. Well, they they still have him under contract for another whole year. Right, they those. do, but they're not like they'll, they have they'd no be chance stupid to, to try him. and not and get rid of him. Yeah, he's, or try and not trade when him he's and a get free some agent. value because they know that they're going to lose him in free agency. Yeah, free agency, he's gone. So so, they're, so if they're if they're smart, they're gonna they're gonna trade him so they can at least get some value for yeah. him other than. You know, just having a clear cap. And it's actually courteous of him to say, hey, I'm not going to resign. So, right. I mean, you know, do something. To me, for me, players that do that before their contract is up, like, I'm not a big fan of that. Like, you signed a contract to play somewhere for a certain amount of time, and you should have to honor that no matter what, whether you're happy still or not, or you think your team's going to win. If you sign a contract for a certain amount of time, you should have to follow what you signed and you know anthony davis isn't doing that and and we see that with a lot of players that don't like the like their situation and at the end of the day the players are the ones that are in in control because they're the ones on the court on the field but uh, yeah that's that's just something that doesn't sit as well with me and i understand your point but i have to disagree i think because in the NBA, you have your bird rights, and you're not a unrestricted free agent until you're like in your upper twenties, if I remember right. It's kind of like hockey; you're you're gonna get your contract matched up until a certain age, or I think it's years served. But regardless, he is stuck in New Orleans until he is an unrestricted free agent. And the team drafted him number one overall. You always have that spot in your heart with the team that drafts you because they wanted you. They haven't given him any help. That's on management, as far as I understand their GM and basketball operations. They don't know what they're doing. And with that, that's on them. They should be fired. I don't think they have the correct management to put up a decent team. And it's their fault Anthony Davis is leaving. Right, they couldn't keep him happy. They couldn't even do anything with Rajon Rondo. Granted, he's past his prime. And he's Except not- for that shot he had against Boston, that buzzer beater <laughs> in the garden. Yeah, <laughs> that was something. Are you guys going to get to go to a Celtics game when you go out there? That'd be playoff season. Oh, What well, Zach is referring to is I'm on the Boston Global, or the Harvard Global Case Competition, which takes place at Harvard Yard in Cambridge. And that's only if the Celtics make the playoffs and actually get it's at the last week of April, so it depends right. on how their scheduling is. But we're for sure going to a Red Sox game. Oh, that'll be nice. And we're gonna try and sit in the right corner, right field corner, where that, where the wall is super low, mm-hmm. and I'll just catch got, a home run. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll see how that works. Hopefully. Yeah, I was on uh, the case that that case study team that Greg just mentioned last year, and and when we were in Boston, we we had to decide between the Red Sox game and the Celtics game. And we chose the Celtics game because it was game one against Milwaukee of the first round. But uh, that was also in the beginning of April or second week of April, and you're going at the end. So that would be more like conference championship. And those tickets for even the nosebleeds. I'm not sure how much you paid for yours, but tickets we could get at Fenway Park, 30 bucks at the cheapest. I'm assuming to get a conference championship 
nosebleed section at Boston. 300 at the minimum? Yeah, for sure. Especially the in the minimum. garden. Especially in PD garden. So, yeah, that's we have a strict budget for our own personal wallets. And as college students, as much as we enjoy sporting events, can't quite afford it. Sometimes you got, we, we paid over 100 for our tickets at the Celtics game. Sometimes you got to treat but yourself. Yeah. You got to treat yourself when you're on vacations like that, especially ones paid for by the university. But why don't we move on to uh, some state news? And you tell us a little bit about the uh, some baseball news out of uh, the Twin Cities. So the Twins decided to lock up their core players. And with that, I mean Jorge Polanco, Granite. He had a bout with PEDs for the first half of the season. Yeah, what baseball player hasn't, though? True. <laughs> it's just in terms of do they get caught or not. Yeah. And I think the Twins had a very... Very good offseason. They agreed to terms with Buxton, Gibson, Kepler, Trevor May, Jake Odorizzi, and Taylor Rogers, Ed Rosario, and Sano for one year contracts. Not Bryce Harper. Not yet. But I heard he might go to San Francisco. Mm-hmm. More on that later. Yeah. But they also signed Jonathan Scoop. They have Lucas Duda to a minor league contract. But the bigger one is they have contract extensions in place with Jorge Polanco and Max Kepler. Where Jorge Polanco's, they're pretty close to agreeing to a seven-year extension worth $25 million guaranteed, and the last year will be a club option. He's very, very good, underrated, I'd say. When he came back the second half of the season last year, he hit 288 with like six home runs and 100-some at-bats. He's... He's not the home run hitter, but he's get on base and hit the ball around the park. You need guys like that. Yeah. Baseball is a home run game now. That's why Aaron Judge is so popular. Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper, who it's either home run, walk, or strikeout. Pretty much. And then they signed Max Kepler to a five-year, $35 million contract extension, which I think is very key because he's one of my favorite Twins players. And... I really, really hope they don't ever get rid of them. But I understand baseball is a business, and when you have blue-chip prospects like that, swaps are expected. Just like when the Marlins just traded JT Real Muto to the Phillies and got Sixto Sanchez in return, who is a top, I want to say top 10, top 15 prospect in the minor leagues. So with that, It's going to happen. You're going to have all-star caliber players that get traded in their prime for like five of your top 100 prospects in the system. This is the way it is. I believe the Twins farm system right now is in the top 15 for best in baseball. And I don't think that they're – I think they're a a lot under the luxury tax threshold Oh, they have a lot of money. Yeah. With Joe Maurer retiring, that saved a lot. Right, yeah. Much as I hate to see Joe go – it was, he was his time. He, he was overpaid in his latter years. Yeah. It should have been a front-loaded contract, not a per annual. Right, yeah, he wasn't very, you know, he wasn't as effective. When he had his bout with injuries late in his career, it was, it was tough to see him underperform in terms of first baseman standards because as a first baseman, you're expected to hit the ball, the park, one out of every ten at-bats, if. And he hit, like, 275 and had 10 home runs on a season per average. But he'll retire as one of the greatest hitting catchers in the league Absolutely. ever. He's, he's what made me like baseball, to be honest. 
and considering that twins weren't necessarily your favorite team growing up that's great to hear it warms my heart that the <laughs> twins are good for something well him and roy halliday rest in peace roy yep but hopefully uh, a future hall of famer there too yeah this year yep should be on the i think he i don't is. know why you have to wait five years in order to be hall of fame eligible. right well no this was his fifth year and i think he he was he's on he's he's on the ballot but they uh his wife didn't want to choose between the Phillies and the Blue Jays, so he's just on uh, he's he's going into the Hall of Fame as just like a player. He's not going in as a Blue Jay or a Philly. He'll probably have both jerseys. Yeah, he'll probably have both jerseys set up in his little his little area or whatever. But yeah, but I just it's just weird to see that. Okay, players have to wait a certain year after retirement. Yeah, I never really truly understood why. I don't understand why, but I, but, you know, one reason I can think of is that, you know, it kind of gives the opportunity for people to stop thinking about them and, yeah. you know, and then you can really like honor them and respect them and give them the attention that they deserve. Cause if you, you know, if they just retire, they're getting, you know, all that attention for the, all those years and then you go right into the hall of fame and then you n- never really thought about again. So I, yep. I'll agree with you at that point. There's, that's the best way to put it. But to move on here, we have our segment Grinding Our Gears, and it's going to be hockey-related this week. It seems to be always hockey because our favorite teams are really on our nerves. Zach, kick it off, please. Well, my, uh, you know, last last time on Grinding Our Gears, I talked about the, the Winnipeg Jets and the their, their struggles with their, their star player and... You know, you know, my other favorite team in the NHL, and I, I just want to give a little disclaimer as to why I have two favorite teams. And for it's the reason that, you know, being raised in Winnipeg, I was born in, in 1997 when there was no, that was the year after the Jets had left. So I kind of had to, you know, go with a team that, go with another team because we yep. didn't have a hometown team. And I chose the Ducks because Team Mussolini, who's, and Randy Carlisle, who I'm about to be talking about, uh, he was their coach, and Timo Solani was their their star player. So that's I naturally went with them because they both used to play in Winnipeg. You had connections, so I had a connection through through that. And you know, I just want to talk about how the Ducks have been grinding my gears because they've hit a decade low uh, in the last 15 years. They're sitting seventh in the Pacific Division and next to last in the Western Conference. Uh, three days ago, General Manager Bob Murray fired Randy Carlisle, and he himself took over the coaching responsibilities to try and save the culture in Anaheim, which I personally, I personally believe is just him trying to save his job because yeah. you know naturally once the once the coach gets fired, if there's still a lack of success, it's going to be the GM next, especially in hockey. Yeah, when heads roll, it's coach and then GM. And, and the thing is. I was, like I said before, a huge fan of Randy Carlisle, a huge fan as well as Timo Solani. He's not there anymore. But Carlisle was with Anaheim from 05 to 11, won them their only championship. He only missed the playoffs once. Uh, he had a stint with the Leafs for a couple years, and then he came back and has been with Anaheim since 2016. Uh, they made the playoffs in both 17 and 18. This year, they're not going to make it. So unless a miracle happens, I unless mean, a, they are I mean, only six points behind the Wild for the final wild card spot, right? And the Wild are also not looking so good right now. No. So, you know, it's definitely possible. So maybe so this this shakeup. I'm not. It doesn't grind my gears that they sh- shook things up. I think that 
they kind of had to. What grinds my gears is that, you know, the, the hardworking physical culture that was the Anaheim Ducks for so long has now apparently changed and, you know, people just don't seem to care and the players just don't seem to care. But, you know, they have an old group. There's a lot to look forward to. It might suck for a while, but they have a good good young core and Andre Kasha, R- Ricard Raquel, Hampus Lindholm, Nick Ritchie, those are all guys that are, you know, they're not even 30 yet so they still they they still have a lot of good core guys uh going forward but uh i guess we can talk about the wild and why they're grinding your gears when aren't the wild grinding my gears as i've recently stated they're in the last wild card spot for the east western conference and to be completely honest vancouver is two points behind them and the entire wild card is in play for all the bottom dweller teams because <laughs> looking at the standings, Dallas is, in, is third in the central, 63 points, and Vegas is third in the Pacific with 66, which is surprising compared to how they did last year to how they are now. But after the Blues, who are sitting at 61 and the Wild at 59, the Canucks are at 57, Arizona's at 55, Colorado's at 55, same as Chicago. Edmonton. Chicago's terrible. I know. It's interesting to see Chicago, Anaheim, and L.A. at the very bottom of the Western Conference when for so long they were always the teams at the top. Because for a span of, what, five years as L.A. and Chicago winning trophies, back to winning back. the Stanley Cup alternating years. Usually with Anaheim as the best team in the conference, but blowing it in the playoffs. Hey, as a Wild fan, we understand. Yeah. <laughs> it must be the Bruce Boudreau effect. But with that being said, I think it's time for the Wild just to blow everything up. They're, they're not truly in contention. They're, yeah, okay, they're sitting in the final playoff spot, but they're going to... The be, Kings won as an eight seed one year. Miracles, it's, it's miracles do happen. It's possible, but it's very, possible, very, very but unlikely, especially for the, the Wild because yeah. they're cursed because they play in Minnesota. The state of hockey represent, right? State of hockey represent with no championships. Yeah. But <laughs> that's just try not to talk about that. <laughs> Our championships were stolen when the North Stars moved down to Dallas and won the Fair Stanley enough. Cup in like two years with Mike Fair enough. I, I, can, I can respect that point. So you hear that, Dallas? You stole all their Stanley Cup. That was ours. And also meant the owner's fault for just moving them. But anyways... Not all player trades that the Wilder have been doing, like Justin Kloos for Pontus Aberg, who I haven't even heard of his name watching Wild Games after the first day we got him. Haven't heard of the dude. I don't even know what... Does he even play anymore? And then we had Victor Rask, who I believe really rolled his ankle because he stepped on a puck and he couldn't get off it. Then he was going to the bench in very obvious pain. These one-for-one trades aren't going to help the Wild for their future. They have, it's not, you get, they got to rebuild. They got to start young. They got to hope they get good draft picks and and good spots in the draft and actually hit a home run. Don't take the Marcus Johansson or whoever the heck they draft in the end of the first round last year. Some no-name guy that's a safe bet who's going to play out in five years down the road. They need to start building for the future. And... Yeah, they should be getting prospects that are going to be NHL ready within three years. Granted, that's hard, and you need top 10 draft picks for players like that. But they're not going to get there with the 
average roster they currently have. I think Coyle's next to go, and I hope they get a first-rounder and a some sort of prospect for him. Now, I don't know what kind of pull he can actually get in the NHL, but I heard there's rumors Jonas Brodeen is also on the trade block. I don't think they'll trade Spurgeon, even though there was talks early in the year that I believe is Mitch Marner for Jared Spurgeon. No. It's not going to happen. No, I know it's not going to happen, especially after recent signings. Toronto's not going to trade any of their their young core. No, and I, and I understand playing. that. But the case to be made there was Toronto's in desperate needed right shot defensemen and defensemen in general. Yeah. And they had a surplus of forwards with John Tavares signing there. Yeah, they they do have a lot of good forwards. It would have been a stupid trade, not going mean, to lie. We're, we're going to see on trade deadline day because the NHL trade deadline is notorious, is notorious for being like the most active trade deadline yeah. that, of, of any of the big four sports. And I remember the last big trade we had was Martin Hansel. We saw how that turned out. Really, really happy about that trade. So just the Wild in general are always going to grind my gears until I actually figure out how to run their roster. Granted, I'm just a sports fan, so what do I know? Right. I'm just another person with an opinion. But I really hope Paul Fenton figures it out because the last thing I need is another 93-point season and a first and second round playoff exit. You, I think you guys just need – you guys just need – well, you're never going to get that with Bruce Boudreaux as no. coach because he's known for missing the playoffs wherever he's, he's – also or, or making the playoffs as a high seed and then not going anywhere with it. Yeah, but the issue with that, though, is he believes in a hard-hitting check Right. players go around that and check style of hockey's old it's old it's school out, it's out, it's it's outdated now with how fast players are playing we have when you when you hear the minnesota wild what do you hear who is the fastest skater jason zucker name the next fastest skater we have that's it yeah when you hear all the other teams who's their fastest skater let's go toronto austin matthews is pretty fast mitch marner william nylander those guys are all fast all young guys any young guy in hey, you guys aren't going to get it done with Miko Koivu still on your roster at who is out for the season with a torn ACL yeah. well we're going to move on to uh, some campus news uh, the baseball team uh, had a double header today at Central Missouri the first game they lost 19 to 2 um, and then the second game they are still they they lost 12 to 2 in the second game so they so lost all three games then? Because I remember they, they only had two today. They had one yesterday where they lost twelve to five. Okay. Yeah. So is a is yeah one game on the thirteenth, which was yesterday, and then two games today for the double. No, these, these are just uh, preseason games against yep. teams that are outside of our conference. So don't don't be discouraged by hearing scores like that. But uh, it's also a senior weekend for the men's and women's basketball teams here at UMC uh, on Friday. Uh, they will play Minot at 5.30 and 7.30, ladies first. And uh, on Saturday, they'll play against Mary at 3.30 and at 5.30, ladies first again. And we'll give a shout out to uh, all the graduating seniors for Senior Weekend. Uh, for the women's team, we have Kaylin, Isi, and Maria all going out and playing in their last games. And then for the men's team, we have uh, Gable, Chase, Josh, Darren, and Aaron all playing in their last game. So uh, congrats on a great career, guys. Very um, thankful for the what you've done for Crookston Sports here. And the memories of going to your guys' games, absolutely. And, uh, and lastly, the equestrian hunt seat team is in action uh, 
at uh, South Dakota State where they'll they'll go against Texas Christian and South Dakota State as well this weekend. And to quickly wrap up our ridiculous sports wrap up, Kirk Cousins did a Twitter fan event giveaway. Now, most Viking fans, we could clearly state how that could have gone. So it, as we could guess, it didn't go well for him. And many fans, to briefly abbreviate what they responded, they told him to give away his huge contract, give away his signing bonuses. They wanted to have him give away all his money so they could sign tackles and guards to defend him. They wanted to give the team wins against a winning team instead of only beating the losing teams in the NFL. And they even wanted his signed resignation. I had a nice chuckle about all that. Yeah, I mean, uh, again, I'm, I'm a big Kirk Cousins fan, but... Really good at Michigan State. He's very good at Michigan State, but... Um, yeah, Minnesota's a tough sports crowd to please. So, you know, I, I, hope, I hope the Vikings suck next year, but <laughs> I hope Kirk Cousins plays well. <laughs> we'll see how Aaron Rodgers and his... But we already know Ghost how cast. he's going to play. It's just well, a matter Aaron of how Rogers his team good. plays. Yeah. yeah, it's just a matter of how his team plays. But that's the topic for another day. Yeah. So to wrap up this episode, please check us out on Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube. Remember to look us up on Twitter at CallAudiblePod, and we'll see you next week, and have a happy Valentine's Day with your significant others, everyone. Bye now. Calling an Audible is made possible through the assistance of the University of Minnesota Crookston Media Services Department and executive producer James Pogachnik. The views expressed on Calling an Audible are not necessarily the views of the University of Minnesota Crookston or its affiliates.